This is episode four of our series on Rhythms of Grace, where we focus on Scripture. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more about Jesus, you can find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Hey, welcome to church. Great to be with you this morning. We're going to open the Word of the Lord. We're in a series at the moment called Rhythms of Grace. And, uh, you know, the, the, the lead scripture is about Jesus saying, come unto me, come unto me. And I think we have to remember that we're in a relationship with God. This is not a religion that we actually study. This is not behaviour that we are learning to adopt. You know, this is, this is not, uh, you know, a historical kind of rendition of the world according to the Bible, although that's possibly true. That's not what this is all about. Christianity is actually this vibrant relationship with the living God. And he's a person. He's a person with personality and character and values. He has a way about him. And he teaches us his way. And this morning, we're going to look at the idea of Scripture. And uh, whether you're here with us in the room or whether you're online with us, we're going to look at what is the Word of God to us and how is it that the Word of God helps us. You know, it would be easy for me to stand here this morning and say, you should just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. It's a good idea. God says he, he, he printed it for us. He arranged it for us so that it was the divine, inspired Word of the Lord. We should just read more of it. The challenge is, why should we read it? What is it about the Word of God that's so important to us? You know, are we just studying the Bible so that we know the Bible, or is the Bible taking us into the heart of the person who stands behind the Bible? And and my, my belief is it's the latter. So we want Scripture to actually open our heart to who God is so that we come closer to Him. So it's not just about memorizing huge tracts of Scripture, although that's good. But it's not a badge of honor that I I know a lot of Scripture. The the issue is, does the Scripture inside you? Is it inside you? Is there something about the way you do life and you see the world around you that has been radically transformed because the Bible that you now have on the inside of you has shifted you? Because that's where the rubber hits the road for me. The stories of the Bible are great, but only when the stories become part of me. And so Joshua's story is Joshua's story, but it's, it's that story when it becomes my story too. And so now I come to God with my testimony because he's formed a testimony in me. The word that I speak now is the testimony of faith that he's built in my heart and yours. And so the Bible is more than just a printed word. And so we're going to look at that today and understand a little bit more. I hope today we can look at perhaps some practical keys too as to how you might more effectively work with the Word of God in your life. Let's just pray before we we go to the Word. Father, this morning, I just pray for a spirit of revelation in this room, God, that you would open to us our eyes of our understanding. God, that we'd go deeper into you. God, that we'd be persuaded, God, that What we see at the moment, we only see in part. That God, you have so much more for us. Oh, the greater is that which lies ahead for all of us than that which is behind. Because your promises are ahead. God, there is always a greater day for us to live in. 
And God, Father, we look forward to that day with faith in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just before we get into the scripture, let me just put a little background together as to about what it is that's going on inside us. Why is scripture important? We have to remember that we are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your spirit, when you gave your heart to Jesus, the Bible says you were born again. Why? Because on the inside of your heart, you saw who God was. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes. You were convicted in your heart that God wanted a relationship with you and you responded in some way. You may have done it here. You may have done it in another church. You may have done it in a crusade. You may have done it on a camp. You may have done it in your bedroom. It doesn't really matter where, but at some point in your life, you said yes to God. And when you did, the Holy Spirit came and made his home with you you became the temple of the Holy Spirit and the incorruptible seed of God was planted in your heart. And that is the promise of Scripture. So your spirit is fully regenerated because God promised you that it is. Your body, and it's, we don't have time to kind of get into the whole aspect of the body and the mind-body connection, some of the incredible things that, that science has even helped us understand about that over the years. But your body is full of appetites and you can feed those appetites certain ways which can be good or they can be bad. But your body has been given to you by God. You know, be good to it, be kind to it. Do the best you can for it. Eat well, exercise well, sleep. Do all the things we should do. But that's not the purpose of today. And then there's our soul. And our soul is kind of where all the trouble is. Because that's the bit, that's our mind that's our will, that's our emotions. And our mind and our will and emotions need to be convinced of the will of God so that we can obey the will of God. Our spirit wants to worship God, but our soul wants to worship whatever else it's ever been worshipping. It has to be trained in the ways of God. And that's why we need Scripture. We need some framework. We need an understanding of who God is. And we've got to be able to come close to God so our soul can be converted. Psalm 19 and verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so we need our soul to be converted little by little, line upon line, precept on precept, little act of obedience upon little act of obedience. And as we take our will, our mind and our emotions and we begin to learn the ways of God, we become more fully convinced that God is for us. And so it becomes easier to keep obeying him. And the more obedience you have in your heart, the more obedience you can give God in your future. And it becomes like a snowball that starts to happen if you feed it that way. And so we come to the Bible. God wants to teach our soul his ways. See, this is the Word of God or the Logos of God, but we all know that Logos is more than words. When you speak words, you're not just speaking the words. Behind those words is all your values and your character, the things that make you you. Your intent is behind the words that you say. So it is with God. So the Logos of God is not just the words that are printed. It's the person that says the words that we're trying to get to know. Does that make sense? So the words lead us. So the word of the Lord is not just the Bible. It's a really important part of it. 
but the word of the Lord is the person of God who will speak to us in different ways. The scripture will always be honoured in what God says. God will never go against his word, his printed word. But he will speak to you in lots of different ways because you will apply that word to your life in different ways. And so we want God to guide us in how to do that. It's the way God sees things and thinks things, the way that God understands things. And if we can begin to understand things like he does, we can begin to cooperate with him, flow with him. It's not that we're earning God's favour. There's just a way of God that works better than our way. You already have all of God's favour you'll ever need. He already loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. You can't earn it. You can't get any more of it. You just have it all now. But if you'll get into step with God, you'll get the blessing of God because the blessing of God flows over his ways. That's how the blessing of God flows. You're not earning it. You just flow in it a little bit more. Our challenge is we come to God with our rational knowledge and the logic that we have in our head wants to bring understanding and insight into the things that are happening around us. And so we will use our understanding to try and work things out. But the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean on on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. So what actually we have to do is not rely on our insights and understanding, but go to God and rely on his. And that's where the tension is. That's the battle. If there was one point in this first part of what I'm saying, that's the battle we're trying to work, win. We want to come to God. We want to trust him. Trusting God with all of our heart is simply another way of saying surrendering, total surrender. If I trust him with all of my heart, what that means is all of the seed of the affections of the things that I love, all of the things that I'm pursuing in life, what I believe is the good life that is in front of me, I am pursuing for him. I trust him with all of my heart, all of the things that I love and want to do, I'm putting into his hands. So I am fully surrendering myself to him. Not just the tough bits, oh God, when it's tough, I'll surrender because God, I need you to bail me out. No, no, it's not just when it's tough, it's also when it's good. It all belongs to him. Little by little, we learn to surrender. James 1 and verse 21 says, We receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. That word save means, it's the word sozo, which means heal. Complete healing, mind, body, soul and spirit. We receive with the implanted word. See, it's not just the word, it's the implanted word. It's the word that you've received, that you've adopted. It's become part of the fabric of your logic. So the Logos of God becomes your logic now. You think like God thinks. And that's not a haughty thought. That's actually the design of God. You, not, you must learn to think. We must learn to think like him. James goes on in James chapter 1, verse 22, and he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For what he observe, when he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Isn't that interesting? There's a picture in the mirror that God wants to show you of you that is easy to forget. 
Because when we go out here into the world and our circumstances, there's a different picture being told to us. And we have to come back to the mirror of that word to keep remembering what God says until finally it takes root. Until finally the word becomes the implanted word. And then when we leave the mirror, we no longer forget anymore. It becomes part of us. But the thing I want to draw out of that is be doers of the word and not hearers only. That word doer is a really important... It's not just uh, what we think uh, is like performance or behavior. The word doer actually means poetic performer. Poetic performer. And that word poetic means having an imaginative or emotionally sensitive style of expression. See, the Word of God must be performed in us and through us as we are learning to adopt it. Poetic performance means I'm going to engage in the Word, not just rationally, but emotionally and imaginatively. I'm going to work out how to lace the Word of God into the things I think and the things I say, the way that I live, imaginatively and emotively. I'm going to engage it with my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. I'm going to chew on it through all different parts of my soul. That's what that means. It's, it's not just do, because you and I both know you can just put a command on the ground and say, do that, but you, you have to be able to do it. How do I do it? Well, I've got to want to do it. And so there's a conversion that's got to happen inside me that my wants have changed enough so that I actually can do it. Otherwise, I'll try and then I'll forget, and I'll try and then I'll forget, and then I'll try and I'll forget, and I'll do exactly what James is saying. I'll keep trying, but it doesn't seem to stick. Ever been there? But as I emotively and imaginatively engage with it, you might even call it meditate on it. Anyone ever heard that word before? As I meditate on the word, it becomes part of me. Now, I know everybody in this room knows how to meditate. Has anybody ever been up at night time thinking about a problem at work or in your family and you just can't sleep and you've turned it over and over in your head and it just keeps you awake and you get up and you make a cup of tea and you go back to bed and you try and switch off and you just can't and you wake up 45 minutes later and it's still on your mind. Anybody ever done that and been up all night thinking about something? Six honest people in the whole room. What a bunch of heathen we all are. I, I know that we've all done this in some way, shape or form. That's meditation. You know how to meditate. The issue is, are you meditating on the right thing? That's what emotively and imaginatively turning something over in your mind feels like. You've got yourself worked up about something to the point that you cannot sleep. You've engaged your full mind and emotion in something that just may never happen or you're worried about and you are fully engaged through your whole body. That's meditation. We know how to meditate. Can you see how you could flip the switch on that positively and now begin to engage the word of the Lord and begin to build the word of the Lord into your life in such a way that it becomes that real to you. That your mind, your will and your emotions start to participate in such a way that you're so excited you can hardly go to sleep. Wouldn't that be something else? But that's what it looks like. And we can train our soul to meditate on the truths and the precepts of God. 
so that they begin to change us. They begin to persuade us. We become emotionally convicted of them. And we become a poetic performer of the word. Imagine an actor in a play. A really good actor, when you watch them on stage, you really believe they are the person they say they are, don't you? you just, they become the character. Somehow they've thought about the person to the level that they have and they've literally stopped becoming who they are and they literally step into a persona and they become that character. And their costuming and everything they have obviously all helps that. And when you look at them, you think, I am fully convinced they are that person. And you know why? It's because as an actor, for a short period of time, they are fully convinced they are that person. It's the same picture in meditation. We are going to poetically perform the word of the Lord. Because this, it's not that I'm trying to be false, it's that I'm trying to be true. What he says I am. I want to be who he says I am. I look into the mirror of the world. It'll tell you all the time who you are. It'll tell you every lie under the sun. And you can poetically believe that your whole life and perform it, but it's not going to set you free. The truth of the Lord sets us free. So we begin to enter into it in the same way that we've looked into the world system. We look into his word and we draw the truths out. In just recent times, there was uh, someone connected to our family quite close who went through a very, very difficult season. And so much so that in my world, there would be a number of days a week I would come to work here early. To Often I'm here praying just here in the front. And, um, but I've never experienced despair. But I was experiencing despair. This feeling of it, no matter what we are doing in this situation, it doesn't seem to be improving. I don't know what else to do. I don't know who else to ask. I don't know what else to read. I don't know what other expert to talk to. And it was like the feeling of being completely helpless was at times overwhelming. Not every day, but at times. I literally would feel the overwhelm of the despair. And emotionally, if you've ever been there, it's a, it's a very depleting place to be. There's like there's nothing else you can kind of think about while you're in that place. See, this is where the rubber hits the road on us walking with God because, see, God hasn't designed me for despair. He doesn't want me to live in the place of despair because his promise to me is that he is with me. So if he's with me and his spirit is in me, then righteousness, peace and joy is part of the promise of our relationship together. His life can flow into me and energize me and strengthen me. But only if I know how to plug into that life and draw it out of him. Or I can sit in my despair and, and, and wallow in that despair and be de-energized by the despair and it's often very hard to get out of. But if we know how to poetically perform the word of the Lord, if we know how to come and walk with God and sit in the secret place with God until it shifts in our soul, we can shift that despair out and get faith back in our heart again. Because no matter what happens in this person's life, no matter whether the outcome works out like I'd like it to or not, I can still walk with the peace of God. Amen? I can still walk with the peace of God. And that's where the rubber hits the road, the conversion of the soul. 
God is with me. I can lean on the strength of God. It's not just a rational idea. It is a physical reality. You feel the peace of God. You draw strength from the peace of God, and it puts a smile back on your face. It doesn't solve the problem, but it allows your heart to posture itself in strength. And it's not just a good idea. It is a reality we can walk into, and God will help us get there. Hearers, doers, not just hearers. Let's just look at the life of Joshua just for a minute because there's something in Joshua's life that is a great pattern for us. And it's also patterned in the New Testament. So there is a scripture that's in the life group books. We are going to touch on that today. And so you've got something to reflect on those who are in life groups. But let me just go to Joshua first. And let's just look at Joshua chapter 1 when God comes to Joshua and makes him a promise. Because there's something in the promise of God for Joshua that is the same for us today. Because God is working with humanity. He's working with a man or a woman. And he says the same thing to us as he said to Joshua. Joshua's assignment was different, thank goodness. I don't want to be the guy that leads the children of Israel into the promised land. But, and your assignment is different, but the promise is the same. Now let's just set the context before we read the scripture. God has come to Moses before he dies and basically gives him the plan for the promised land. In Exodus, he comes to him and says that you're going to go into the promised land, but I'm not going to give you the entire land in one go. You'll find that in Exodus 23. I'm going to give it to you nation state by nation state. You're going to take one state at a time. And God explains himself, and the reason I'm going to do that is because if I don't, the beasts of the field and all the vines and the orchards are going to get overgrown because there'll be no one looking after it Let the other people look after it. When you defeat them, you can take it over and it'll be ready for you. What a great idea. Let the enemy look after your inheritance for a while. And so that was God's plan. One nation state at a time. Here's our problem. We want God to annihilate the entire enemy so that we have a confidence he's with us. No, no, God, give me the entire thing now. But God's plan isn't like that for us in our life. He'll give you one battle at a time. He'll establish you in that one battle, you'll have a victory, and then from the strength of that and how you grow, he'll take you to the next victory. And you'll face that next one. It's not that he's stopped being with you, but he's teaching you how to walk with him. He's always with us. And so we come to Joshua now. Joshua's got that promise that God said, that's the way I'm going to do it. And now here's the deal between Joshua and God. Moses, my servant, is dead. And therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And then he says, be strong and of good courage. And God says this to Moses, uh, to Joshua a number of times. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Okay, stop there. There's three things that God says in his message. He says, be strong and courageous. Have you ever noticed sometimes God tells you to do things, he never tells you how? Just be strong and courageous. Okay. Because you know why God said that to Joshua that way? is because it's up to him to deal with his anxiety and his fear and put his trust in God. Because without that, he'll get anxious and worry about the future. God says, I can't take that off you. If you're going to manufacture anxiety and worry, that's on you. But I'm saying, don't be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Just be strong and courageous. And then he says, I want you to meditate on the book of the law day and night. Because if you'll do that, it'll make your way straight and prosperous. You'll understand my heart. You'll understand the logos. You'll understand the the person behind the promise, and I am God. So you'll get to know me. And here's the glue. This is the bit that is the same between you and I and God. He says, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. Can I tell you, that is the glue for all of us. As I was with Moses, so I am with you. Joshua knew what it looked like for God to be with Moses. He could see it. He's got a mental picture of it. He watched how God never let Moses fall. He always came through. He watched the relationship that Moses had with God. Moses would go into the tent of meeting outside of the camp and the presence of God, the power of the Shekinah glory would come down over that tent and and Moses would fellowship. He'd come out of the tent with his face glowing. And he'd go, I'm sure Joshua went, wow, that's something. This is before smoke machines and lights and all sorts of special effects and makeup. Well, I don't know if it was before makeup, but it probably was. So this is real shiny face coming out from meeting with God. You can't deny the evidence of that. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That is a wonderful promise. Here's the challenge for Joshua. He had to get that from his head to his heart. It's one thing to see how God worked with Moses. It's another thing to believe that God will do the same with you. And so you've got to meditate on something for a while for that to become true to you. You don't just go suddenly flick a switch and go, boom, okay, I'll get that. Yep, I fully believe that. And God knew it was going to be a trouble because you have to be strong and courageous. You're going to have to take my promise that I'm with you. You have to take the book of the law. You have to work with this in your heart so that you will be strong and courageous. It's a process, people. Joshua had to work the process to get to the place of strength, of confidence in God. We read it in about five lines and we go, oh, that looked easy. It wasn't. It was the process of converting the soul. Joshua had to walk step by step, enemy by enemy, fight by fight. I'm sure his commanders, his generals had all kinds of trouble as they went through life together. I'm sure there were problems in the camp, problems in the ranks of the leadership. I'm sure they had HR issues as they were doing things. And step by step, problem by problem, 
Joshua had to face those things knowing that God was with him, but that the God that was with Moses would also help him get through them. And he had to find a place of peace so that anxiety fled and he had strength and courage. And at times his leg would have shook, his spear would have been like this in his hand as he faced the people putting on a brave face, but at the end of the day he would have had to push through that and become a poetic performer of the promises of the Lord until it took hold of his heart. Can you see? That's what we need to do today. And I'm not saying it's all hard work just by ourselves. The Holy Spirit of God has promised to us. He is our counsellor. He has come to guide us into all truth. He is the one that will help us. He makes the job as easy as possible. But we still have something we need to do. So Joshua was to bind himself to the first promise. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. So he could quieten the noise of his doubts and fears. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Is anybody familiar with the idea of noise in your head? Your thoughts that go over and over and over. Yeah, me too. The noise of our doubts and fears. The noise of it. What we want to do as we come to God is we have to find a place where we still the noise so that we can hear the promise. As I was dealing with my own despair in this recent season, the noise in my head was so loud because I wanted to think, that, no, I didn't want to, but I would, my emotions were taking me to the place of feeling the worst outcome. I kept extrapolating in my head, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And how will I feel when that happens? And so I would begin to magnify that issue in my head and the noise in my head of what could possibly go wrong was huge. Now let me ask you a practical question. Was God still there with me? Yes, he was. Did I feel that he was with me? No, I didn't, not in that moment. All I could feel was the noise that was in my head and my emotions that were out of control. What do I want? I want to feel the peace of God so that I can face the challenge that's in front. And I don't want that peace to be some kind of rational, theoretical concept. I want peace. I need peace. And so we're going to fight our way to peace. The first step in meditating on Scripture is to still the noise in your head and go to the place of peace and stillness. That's the first step. And what's the first step that will get you there? The same promise that Joshua had. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I am with you, God said. Today I want to say to every person in this room, if you would let me, on behalf of him, he is with you. He is with you. And he wants to help you. But you'll have to work with him to still the noise in your head, to allow the peace of God to rule and reign. Because according to Philippians, the peace of God comes to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What is it guarding it from? It's guarding it from the noise that will take you away from that. Peace is the umpire. Peace will keep you protected. Peace will keep you enshrouded around by the voice of the Lord so that you can hear his voice and draw strength and courage from his heart for you. But peace is the umpire. You're fighting for the peace. 
And the peace is found in rest and surrender because God is with me. I cannot control the outcome, but I can rest in the peace of God. And I will stay in this place until I know that God is with me and that I feel the peace of God and my thoughts and my mind and the noise that's going on calms itself to the place that I now know he's with me. And you keep going to that place and going to that place until it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what, it's what our heart wants, hey. Because then in the place of peace, when things are still, we can then take the word of the Lord and hear what he's got to say about it. Otherwise, what we end up doing is we end up just grabbing at scriptures that sound right and reading them over and over, but they never really get into our heart and they never really bring peace. We know God is God. Our head tells us that, but we haven't necessarily found the place of that strength. And so we want to do that. John 15 and verse 5 for the Life Group books, (laughs) just so we've got the scripture there for you this week. It's the same promise though. John 15 and verse 5, Jesus is speaking. And he might as well be saying, he could could have said the same thing to Joshua if this was the new covenant. This is the new covenant version of an old covenant expression. And Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. There is potentially no greater promise than Jesus saying to you, He is the vine and you are the branch. Because if you know how a vine and a branch works, is they are one, they are fused together. You cannot tell where the branch begins and the vine starts or where the, where the vine starts and the branch begins. It's just, they just flow together. One becomes a tributary of the other, but yet the vine is the one that's bringing all of the nutrients, the strength and the resources. And he is with you that close that in his mind, there's no separation between him and you. There's a flow between him and you. That's a pretty good promise. That's better than I'm, as I was with Moses, so I'm with you. That's the God of heaven standing with you. And what a great metaphor, what a great picture. I am with you, God would say. Okay, so how do we quieten the noise? Let's do something practical for a minute. Meditation. What is biblical meditation is different to Western meditation. That's often an intellectual type focus. We Don't have time to get into that. Eastern meditation is more about emptying the mind. Biblical meditation is different to both of those. Biblical meditation has more to do with the actual reflection. There you go. There is something about biblical meditation where we enter into the word itself, where we poetically perform it emotionally and imaginatively engage our heart with it. And so we sit with the word of the Lord in the context that God is with me. 
Personally, for me, in this journey we've just had, I would sit with God, I would walk up and down here like for an hour or more before I could get the peace of God in my heart. And then once the peace of God got there, I could begin to take, I could feel the Spirit of God direct my attention to other scriptures that I would then do that with. I would just ponder, I would sit with it. I would allow it to sit in my heart. I would, I would connect it together. It's like Lego pieces. If God is good enough to bring his peace to me, then he's good enough to bring that promise to me. So I can attach that promise to the peace and I can believe that now. I can actually build that promise into my heart and I'll walk with that now and I'll let that take residue in me and I'll meditate on it and I'll let it feed my heart and my mind. And sometimes I'd get to lunchtime and that peace would be gone. I'd go back and get the peace of God again. Go back and get the peace of God. Take your lunch and instead of sitting in the lunchroom, go somewhere else and get the peace of God back in your heart. You've got to do what you've got to do. And then out of the peace of God, take the scripture of the Lord and ponder it. It says to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound such as sighing. What's that about? It's not in the evidence of that. It's because you're allowing it to sit on you. I'm considering it deeply. It's not a glib thing. It's not a, a fast thing. It's not just in my head. I want to fully engage what God is saying. To contemplate as one quietly repeats the words, to quietly repeat the words in a soft droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. It becomes the focus of your thoughts. If you're with us at GMS for the year, we actually practically do this. It's a little shameless plug right now add to the shameless plug of the earlier part of the service, but we actually would literally teach you to do that. We'd actually ask you and show you, model it for you. But that's how we would get the word of the Lord into our hearts. Be anxious for nothing. Peace is the evidence that we are resting in God. Peace is the evidence that I am surrendered and then the peace will guard my heart. And it guards my mind. It guards me from the fearful thoughts, the emotions, and the noise. I reckon that's why God gave us the word. So that we could learn him. Not learn about him, that's important. But we learn him. How he walks. What, how he does things. How can there possibly be anything that could make me afraid? Hear, hear this from the spirit of faith for a minute. What could possibly make me afraid if God is standing with me? Think about it for a minute. You say, oh, well, plenty of things. Say, well, hang on. But if God was actually standing with you, if he stood with you, what would you really be afraid of? Nothing, really. Nothing. That's the promise of the Lord. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for your ways. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your pursuit of us. God, we are the product of the love of God. We are the product of the favour of God, the grace and the mercy of God. But we never forget that. We reverence you with all of our heart. But God, you also call us to be your children who will rise up in you and learn the ways of the Father, learn the ways of the Spirit, and become people that can show others how to walk with you. 
God, you said in your word that it wouldn't necessarily always be easy. You said in this world we would have tribulation, but be of good cheer, you've overcome the world. And so today we remind our heart again of that. Lord, would you put faith in our heart where we need it today? Would you encourage each life that needs that encouragement today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just love us to respond for a minute. Just to allow ourselves to say, yeah, God, that's for me today. If that's you, while the, while the band's just playing in the background, I, I just love us to pray over you. Maybe today as you're sitting here, you'd say, there's a weight that I'm carrying and I know I need to release it to God. And I want to, I want to start that again today. I want to reset today so that I can do that. You need the noise of your soul to quieten. And you know you need to. And I'm not saying it hasn't been a battle. It is a battle. That's why the noise is real. There's a weight in that. But you know something of faith has touched your heart today. And you say, yeah, I want that. I want to move from where I am into that. I'm not going to ask you to come to front. I just want you to stand where you are. We're going to pray over you. Your standing is just you saying, I'm taking hold of that this morning. I am claiming that from the Lord. Really, you're just standing before Him, really. But we will agree with you by faith. The Spirit of God will touch you and help you, inspire you in a different way. Come on, if that's you this morning, we're not going to sing anything until we, we do this ministry moment, so don't wait for that. Just stand if that's you. I won't leave you standing long. Just stand quickly and we'll pray. Stand and claim it and say, this is mine this morning. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. New pattern. There's a new thing. I'm going to lay hold of this in a different way today. Just a couple more. Thank you all for standing. But there's more. I just know there's a few more. Come on, let me just wait for you just a few more seconds. As you stand and you're waiting, you just stand and draw from the Lord right now. You just say, God, I'm ready. I am ready for you to help me in a new way. I'm ready to receive from you in a new way. Okay. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray. Just, if that's you standing this morning, if you just put your hands out in front or in any way you're comfortable just to receive from the Lord. Just have that open posture. God, you see every person that's standing this morning. You know every story. You know the intimacy of their lives. And you are with them. God, I pray today for an impartation of faith. God, that there would be something of the peace of God that would come and touch them today supernaturally. God, I know you can do it. I've seen you do it in my life. I've seen you do it in many others. Today, I ask you, by faith, would you touch every life? Those that are standing, those that are reaching out to you, those that are even those that are sitting that said, I wish I'd have stood, but a drawing from you, God, give them today that strength, that power, that peace. God, I pray that the weight that they are carrying somehow becomes lighter. God, that you would show them. God, you'd bring keys into their heart today. Father, where the word of God may have been dry to them in times past, Lord, let there come a new season.
on their life. Let Scripture come alive today, I pray. Lord, breakthrough for those that need breakthrough. Healing for those that need healing. Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Can we join those that are standing this morning? We're going to sing the worship to the Lord. God is good. He is the best friend you'll ever have. And it is good to rehearse that in our hearts. As we sing this today, I encourage you, let your hearts open to Him. Worship Him. We rarely get to do this, don't we? To stand together as a group where we can, with a wonderful worship band behind us, give us something to lift our hearts to our Lord. This morning, let's do it together, can we? I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh
Father, we thank you for that. What a great promise we've just sung. Remind our hearts this week of the good, your goodness that chases after us. Father, we be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you'd like further prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team, pastoral team, just to come. And uh, maybe there's something more that you'd love people to stand with you and pray with. We'd love to do that as a church family. For the rest of us, have a great week. Thanks for being in church. Trust your hearts and courage. See you back here next Sunday. Bless you all. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.